Hey everyone, it is your neighbor and friend, Samuel Richards. Uh, I just wanted to give you a couple updates before we started the episode. First, as you know, we are back, which is so exciting. Uh, We had a very restful month and, of course, um, a crazy end of our month, as I'm sure all of us have. Um, But we are back and we are even adapting to this coronavirus crisis um, through recording at home. We're practicing safe social distancing and stuff like that. So uh, that has caused some changes in the podcast, some new things that we're going to have to deal with. So definitely keep updated. Um, I wanted to talk about maybe an instance that might happen in the future, which is if one of us are sick or we can't get a guest for Off the Beaten Path, we are just going to take the week off. You know, right now isn't the best time to be overly worried about getting somebody into a studio or talking to us. Instead, we're going to focus on just keeping ourselves safe, uh, putting out that every other week Community Roots episode, and um, when we get to it, putting out Off the Beaten Path. And I already have a couple guests that I am very, very excited about. But, of course, like I said, um, we might have to be adaptable with it, a little bit flexible. Uh, It's all part of the game. Uh, So, anyway, kind of on that note, I would say please follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, by searching Community Roots Podcast because that is where a lot of our updates come out. And um, we need you to stay informed. And that's the best way that we can get you guys in the loop. So please check us out there. Uh, Also, if you just want to reach out, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we also have email um, at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. But please reach out to us. This is a stressful time. We understand everybody's going through a lot, and that means we need community. So uh, please reach out to us. We are here for support, and we're also here to kind of build that group that a lot of us talk about. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. I am so excited that we are back with you all and that we're going to be talking to you often. So enjoy the episode, and I will talk with you soon. Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. And I'm Sarah Wakefield. And uh, we're back. Season two, everyone. Isn't that so exciting? We are so excited to be back. We're like a legit podcast. We have a second season. That's right. Yeah, some great TV shows never got the second season, but here we are. Renewed. (laughs) Renewed, refreshed, ready for this big challenge of a pandemic. I mean, why not come in with a bang, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> why don't we just have a major <laughs> pandemic to get us back on our feet? Yeah, we discussed, can we take a break? Like, will that be good? And little did we know that an entire world-shattering event would happen while we were gone. 
That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy to think about. And I love, like we've talked so many times about the timeliness of our episodes of what is helpful and it's live live in our own world. And our last episode that we recorded live at the time was on balance and pacing and we talked about how important it was to slow things down and take a break a little bit. And here we are needing balance and pacing and slowing down as an entire world. So the irony of that is pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, I think it set us up really well for the discussion that we're going to have today with starting off talking about balancing. We're just going to continue that conversation, essentially. Yeah, pick right up where we left off in a way. And we had no idea at that time when we did that, that was all prior to all the different closings and news stories. And I mean, officially it was happening in other parts of the world, but it hadn't impacted us personally yet. Yeah. So Julie, what do you think we should be talking about today in response to this pandemic? One of the things I've been reflecting on is just uh, how everyone is experiencing this in different ways. Obviously, we're all unique. We've talked in the past about how trauma is unique to each one of us and how we experience it. And this is a worldwide traumatic event. And I've been noticing just from the different people I talk to, talking to clients as well as individuals in my life that there are different kinds of reactions. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would just be interesting for us to sit with some of that. And maybe our listeners can relate into, and you might have more than one of these um, that we've kind of brainstormed Mm -hmm. together. But um, starting with uh, some who said, this is completely ridiculous. This is all an overreaction. Um, Why are they insisting that we're closing things? And it's all a lot of hype, Mm. that sort of thing. And then maybe on the other extreme of that would be we've acted too late. It's not enough. And people are frustrated that not everyone is doing more. And then I think I kind of fall in the middle of that with how I've um, perceived this, the re- my reaction. And it's been more of middle of the road. I'm wondering, are we doing like, I'd, I'd rather we do too much now and have everything feel like it was an overreaction later because the results came back that we were able to flatten the curve and less deaths occurred. Um, but I'm also wondering, you know, I, I, I had to go to the grocery today. I absolutely had to. And there were people wearing masks and wearing gloves and I wasn't. And now I'm thinking like, am I not reacting strongly enough? Am I too blasé about this? Um, But sometimes it facilitates for me throughout the day. Like the morning I might wake up and think one way. And then by the time I hit the evening, you know, it's different. It's different when you can't go outside except to go on walks. And you can't hang out with um, your significant others or family members. Uh, It it definitely does seem like it's, you know, the whatever that thing fell on chicken little and you ran around screaming the sky is falling you know it's interesting as you were talking Sarah I was thinking about that phrase flatten the curve Mm -hmm. like that is now part of our understanding 
of like, here's why we have to do this. This is, I don't think, I just had this thought and maybe it was already in everyone else's lingo of things that they've said before or thought about before, but it's definitely come to the forefront of we are working together. This is a way to love others and care for others because we are flattening the curve. And I just thought, you know, that phrase is really new. New to me, maybe is it not new to anyone else? I don't know, but it's become part of the news stories, part of the um, kind of the push or the urge to how do we help hospitals so that they don't have more than they can handle with supplies or with beds or with their staff who's exhausted. And this effort of ours to quarantine has been a response of we are flattening the curve. Yeah, I definitely see it as like a community movement. I, I, It's kind of interesting to think of it as optional in that way in that we're almost like collectively deciding to sacrifice in order to protect the entire herd, you know, in terms of hospitals being overwhelmed and um, stuff like that. So it, it does kind of change the perspective. I just wanted to say to encapsulate all of the emotion the huge spectrum of emotion that's going on. My partner, Connie was like, Oh, I think it's great that we're off of work and that she thinks it's great because she was in a courtroom with tons of kids and it would have spread so quickly. And so she's actually very overjoyed that, um, we are in a quarantine because she was like, I'm going to be one of the first people who gets it. And now, um, I think we've protected a lot of people, by moving to this. So I think that's an interesting perspective too, mom, kind of what you brought up. Yeah. I think with work too, working, um, in, you know, large businesses, large corporations, we have people of all ages who, um, some of them might be more at risk than others and taking this opportunity and seeing it as an opportunity to protect those who may be a little bit more vulnerable than uh, the average healthy uh, adult. Um, this collective embracing of protecting everyone. It's kind of neat in a weird way. A sense of community to that, of that we're all in this together. We can help each other and there's something that we can do, even if that doing takes on the form of slowing everything down and staying back and staying home. It's also crazy how it can be both things like, both things in terms of like a sacrifice, like a coming together of the community and also like a very overwhelming thing that all the news radio, all my news feed and my Reddit feed and stuff is all about coronavirus. So it's also very overwhelming as well as like a coming together. I see kind of all of us just saying, hey, to protect all of us, we all have to isolate um, and at that same time, like an overwhelming, every single news report, every morning you hear about more deaths and more infections. So it's crazy just having to balance those two things, those two emotions. Well, and then you also have people who aren't taking it as seriously as maybe you are or I am who, you know, we have spring breakers who we, we saw lots of video of people out on the beaches. We have churches that have still been meeting um, religious groups that are still getting together. And while there's this collective care for the world, the, this global care, we also have people who we see aren't taking it seriously and, and are putting other people at risk. Um, and, you know, kind of there's this emotion of it being unfair. Like I'm taking all of these measures to make sure that I'm keeping everybody safe 
and other people don't care as much. Um, so the, like the reactions to all of this are just all over the place and it's normal. Reactions like this are normal. The image that came to mind for me when this was first happening, it's, you know, that 9-11 moment, like you have, everybody knows where they were when the towers fell. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can go back to that exact moment whenever I got news that the schools were closing for three weeks and it was this domino effect of it went from schools to restaurants to and I'm going to get this out of the wrong order but libraries and um, uh, daycares mm -hmm. and just one gyms hairdressers like it was almost like each thing is a domino of where they are in the world and it was like okay that's closed now this is closed and the next thing is closed and you know, slowly and gradually, but at the same time, very quickly. <laughs> it's it's that weird sense of what is time doing right now? Because it wasn't all in an instant, but yet it was pretty aggressively and quickly too, that everything starts shutting down. And I kind of have this image that where we're going into in this next phase of COVID-19 is now that domino effect starts to be hearing of more positive cases and mortality rates and layoffs for people with their job that more and more people are getting laid off and having economic concerns and not sure if they'll be able to make things meet or still um, have a job or have the money to sustain themselves through this time. So it's like you're watching the impact ripple out, the effects of that rippling out um, to more and more people. And it hitting closer and closer to home, you know? For sure. Like, uh, more and more people getting infected means, like, I've had a couple of friends who have been exposed to COVID-19. So um, it does feel more real and more, like, right down my street, you know? Uh, not literally, but it sure feels that way sometimes. It's kind of encroaching on us more, kind of becoming more and more of a reality even and a reality in the sense that I think anytime we go through something traumatic one of the words that people often use to describe what they're experiencing is that it's surreal mm. that it's right. this like is this even happening is this some kind of a weird dream and I ate something funky last night and somebody wake me up because I want to get off like it's just too overwhelming so at first, initially, we have this sense that everything is this surreal experience or it's not part of reality. This can't be happening because it's too strange. You, you don't feel grounded in that moment. And it's hard to allow it to kind of settle in on our brain, our body, you know, our mind, our experience to be able to say this is really happening and I need to be able to enter into it at a pace that I can handle, which one of the things, you know, similar to what you were saying, Samuel, about this is all happening so fast. Like you have so much communication coming from so many places. Um, it's hard to take all that in. We can't digest it all. We can't metabolize it. We can't make sense of it when really it's exhausting. It's so overwhelming to to try to take it in mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, it's just draining. 
Yeah, you're not just watching it. You're participating in it. Uh, you know, it, when it started, it was, okay, it's in China. Okay, it's in Italy. And we're starting to prep for it here. And now you're watching it globally. You are seeing it happen in your community. And then you're experiencing every aspect of that as well. It is completely overwhelming. And how like the people in charge, no matter who they are, are like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> or to what extent this is going to do. And this is just the best attempt at what we have. And it's like when we talk about flattening the curve, like it, it doesn't mean that there's it just means that less people are in the hospital at the same time. It's just our best bet. You know, there's no guarantee of safety or outcome that we're all in this sense of unknown and uncertainty and we're all in that together I think that's been a saving grace for me especially with work we all had to transition to working from home and we all had to do it together so it wasn't just me saying I'm gonna work from home now guys it was the entire team and we we've all had to adapt and that is the one thing that I've you know counted as a well not the one thing but a huge component of the blessing is, yes, we're all participating in this, but we're all participating in it together. We're not alone. It still doesn't diminish how we react to it and what we face because of it. And, you know, that sense of overwhelming um, or exhaustion. I think that was one of the big things is um, just how utterly exhausting this entire experience has been. And, you know, it's kind of like when people travel and they get home and they say, why am I so tired? I just flew all day. Like I wasn't doing anything or this is a similar feeling like you might not have a lot of things happening in your day and you wonder, why am I so exhausted? Like what is happening when it doesn't really make sense that it it would be so exhausting, but it really is that mental, emotional, psychological drain that all of this is of trying to cope and deal with having more questions than answers and that takes a toll all those emotions that we've talked about before having energy I think we can kind of explore this for a little bit together of all of those emotions happening at once are exhausting because they all are exerting different kinds of energy within our mind and body and brain mm -hmm. And that wears you out. Like it's just a long, hard day, no matter what kind of day it is. You can do things for self-care or trying to connect with people or replenish, which are all really important. And you might still be tired. You might still feel like, I think I need to lay down a little bit. I need to rest. I need to pace myself and go back to that idea of balance. I'm just absorbing that. And also like, thinking about the deep breaths I need to take right now is we talk through this and we stir it up a little bit. Um, you know, you talked about self-care, but whew, I just need that deep breath too. And drink in your water, <laughs> keeping the water nearby. I feel like I feel so thirsty lately. It's just important to rehydrate, keep breathing those foundational things as we talk through all these motions of it. This happens often whenever we do episodes, but it's one of those things like I'm in it and I'm surrounded by it. So even to do this episode is kind of like you're like compounding both your thoughts that you want to get out, but also how you feel and what you're going to feel in like a month. So the I think that the biggest uh, thing for me 
and just emotion is just like a feel of antsiness and the fact like we're going to probably be doing this for another month, if not more. So that's just my own experience whenever we talk about these things and I kind of go to the other place. It's just, I'm like, oh, it's compounding for me too. Like take a deep breath, you know? It's interesting. (laughs) There's that sense of antsiness. What that reminds me of is whenever I have been, I take flights to China and lead uh, China mission teams. And that flight is 13 hours long. And you get to this point on there every time where you just feel like I have got to get off this plane or I'm going to lose my mind. And it's just this, it feels very constricting that there are so many people surrounding you and you can't go anywhere and you're all stuck and you're just going to have to ride it out. You're just going to have to be there whether you want to be or not. And it kind of reminds me of this time of like, we are kind of held captive a little bit by waiting for this storm to pass and sometimes on those flights it's turbulent and bumpy and the same as with this situation that somehow there's a shift that can happen in us and sometimes kind of like you said Sarah it can happen multiple times in one day our perspective is kind of shifting and changing but it's that feeling of a little bit more acceptance that you know, that antsy feeling, Samuel, that you're describing can kind of settle a little bit for a while and you accept a little bit more and say, okay, I'm in this for the long haul and it's taking longer than I want it to, but it will get there. You know, that whole phrase, it's a, it's a long, hard road, but we're going to get there. It's like, we don't know how long that is. Um, but we're just kind of, hunkering down for for whatever time elapses I guess Julie you've almost always counseled me when I've talked about being in an uncomfortable space and um, you know those long trips across one of the ponds uh, there's that point like you were saying you get just you get antsy you get uncomfortable uh, you don't want to be in this place anymore and you have always counseled me uh, that it's okay to be uncomfortable it's okay to be where you are. And that has always helped me to say, okay, I am uncomfortable. I have this itch. I really want to scratch. I can't scratch it, but I'll address, I'll identify that there is an itch there. Um, and that has always been soothing to me. It's almost like if we allow it to be uncomfortable and we get to say that it doesn't feel okay, it's not that we have to like it. You know, it's not that we have to get to that place of always seeing positive things in it, which is a great tool, you know, to make meaning out of it, to have gratitude with it. Those are great, important tools. But sometimes we're going to have that emotion of distress, of antsiness, of um, this is too much or too hard. And so allowing it to be there and, and that that's okay gives its own sense of relief of I'm glad that I don't have to get to a place of loving this Mm -hmm. or I don't have to like it or I don't have to want it but I do need to be able to build up some tolerance we call it distress tolerance like to be able to handle some of those uncomfortable emotions and experiences so that we're able to have the endurance to get through it 
Yeah, that is something that I've really been sitting with the last, I think we're on, we were, we ended with day 19 yesterday. So I think we're on day 20 of this stay at home order. And at first I, I started to panic. Um, you know, this is all uncharted territory and, you know, it, it just seems so overwhelming. Um, but I remember talking to you about that maybe day two perhaps of, of this. And, um, again, you, you know, it doesn't have to be fixed for us to be okay with where we are. I just also, so I have a couple thoughts here. So I did kind of, um, some research on how to kind of survive these long hauls. But first I wanted to talk a little bit about like some things that kind of intersect with my activism because during this time I've just been thinking about like our prisoner population and the people who are incarcerated and how like if one person gets it in a prison, they're all going to get it because there is no isolation there. But specifically one I wanted to talk about was like solitary confinement. Like I'm feeling, I'm feeling antsy being inside like a large house with like another person and technology and animals, baby chicks and things to do. Right. Baby chicks. Um, and I just think about just the, unethical practice of solitary confinement and whenever we're feeling this overwhelm antsiness somebody who's in solitary confinement can be there for a long time sometimes people are there for over a decade and that's just like um just to kind of just say if this is uncomfortable then the things that are going on within like this state and this country should also make us uncomfortable because people are dealing with it currently, even outside of COVID-19. But anyway, I also uh, wanted to shift gears. Maybe I'll leave like a long pause there. So everybody can just <laughs> long, <leave>. dramatic <laughs> pause. <laughs> Sit with that. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. Yes, really. I think the idea of activism being something that awakens us and gives us almost a gift of connection to understand somebody else's world that I might not have had insight to before and insight in the sense, not just of intellectual knowledge of reading about it or hearing about it, but really getting a taste of it, even if it's on a different level. I mean, we have so much privilege, you know, that, that we have electricity and internet and water and, a home that we can even be uh, quarantined in like that in some ways we don't fully understand the depth of um, the pain that some are suffering but in another way we're we're being awakened and shaken to the point of being more alert now you know of those who are in confinement those who are in prisons that um maybe we can gain from this some greater sensitivity and compassion and desire to care for and do something about other people's plight. So I think of the connection aspect of that, the empathy. I love that, Julie. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's very that's very sweet. And the rest of the episode is us just thanking each other. <laughs> and I'd like to also thank no, but as we're talking about this antsiness, you know that that would be if we're looking for an emotion word with that, it would be anxiety. I would imagine, um, and along with some of that anxiety is the fears that we have that build up. Um, we can go into the what ifs. You know, what if I get sick? What if a family member dies? And in the news stories we're hearing about, often families are losing multiple family members. It's not just one, but because this is so contagious, people lose both sets of parents or siblings or grandparents or the extended family. So all these fears of, you know, what could happen with this? And because there's so much uncertainty, we have this drive and desire to find something that I can hold on to that could be true of, you know, I have so much uncertainty. What is, what could happen? It's a grappling for something that is really beyond our reach because we don't know. And sometimes the thing to hold on to is the answer. I don't know. Um, I've, you know, processed out a little bit and we'll be talking in our next episode too about more of what we can do to get us through these emotions. But just to kind of give a thought here now with this one, um, you know, if people do die that we know, or if something catastrophic happens, um, specifically, if we have that sense of being able to say, I can grieve. I will grieve. That's what I will do. If people die, I'm going to be grieving that. And that's the plan (laughs) that 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 means I'm going to have to live through the process of grief. And that's hard to accept. And that's hard to feel. But it's also a sense of I can handle it that that I know how to feel and experience working through with self compassion and with the support of others and the kindness of finding safe people that will help us through these hard times so that we can say things like I can adapt or I can handle it and I'm doing what I can to stay safe. These kinds of affirmations help to soothe a little bit of those antsy anxiety and fearful emotions. On the flip side of that, we also have, you know, some people say, I am completely numb and I'm not feeling anything at all. And what that actually is um, from the standpoint of like the polyvagal theory that we've talked about, that when we're feeling too much, it's too overwhelming. We go into that freeze hypoarousal where it's not that we're not feeling anything at all. Numbness actually means we're feeling so many things that we've gone into that kind of freeze state of I can't feel what I'm feeling because it's all too much for me to take in right now. Julie, would that manifest itself as like maybe sleeping too much? I think it could. I mean, sleeping is a sense of in moderation and balance, it's a sense of self-care and taking care of myself. But then maybe whenever it's a sense of complete overwhelm, like this is more than I can handle, I'm just going to avoid. I'm just going to escape. And I'm just going to try and sleep this thing off, which might be a really long 
hibernation of winter if we're going to try to sleep the whole thing off because we don't know how long we're going to be here. But yeah, there's a sense of of escaping with that too, that we just want to get away from it because it's too much. The same kind of thing that people do with addictive behaviors of I need to numb this with my addiction to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to shopping, to gambling, whatever it is, I just have to distract myself so much with something else because if I would think about it or try to process it directly, it would overwhelm me. Let's not comment the amount of packages that have arrived at my house in the last two weeks. Getting a little (laughs) shopping done? Just a little too much. I actually uh, wanted to talk about kind of that a little bit if we have time. I don't know if this is a good time for a question. I read an article from a parenting magazine that said, hey, if your kids are home from school, like it's good to loosen up your screens policy so that like they have something to do. Like it was just saying like it's time to loosen up the rules a little bit and instead of clamp down and stay strict and stuff. And just applying that mindset, like, um, is is that actually a good strategy? Is that something like to say, hey, you're going through a hard time, so it's okay if you, like, watch a little extra TV or, um, like, bake a cake, you know? Like that whole treat yourself notion? Right. I think for sure that... A couple things um, of what we can look to for what health looks like. One is that that's going to be unique to each individual or family, and you have to find what works for you. And so for some families, the structure and the rhythm of a a routine that they can count on is life-giving to that individual, that child, that family, um, and they need that. And so to divert from that too much would cause them more distress But then there's also individuals and families who, if you tried to keep them on that schedule and that rhythm, they really can't handle the pressure of that, that that's just too hard and too much. And so to give a little bit of flexibility and um, being able to change it up a little is actually very life-giving to them, that that helps them get through and cope more because they do need a little bit of time to veg in front of a movie or something like that that will help them cope and so I don't think that there should be one answer that fits everybody Um, I do think as a guideline that using moderation is a good tool for staying away from extremes where you say okay let's just throw out the schedule and you can do whatever you want whenever you want that might be unhelpful or just watching TV 24-7 is probably not going to be a good idea. But just the idea of what's a good balance for me, for my children, for our family, so that we find what's helping us um, really feel more regulated, more balanced, more connected to ourselves and to each other. And you can get a sense of that. It's almost like a sweet spot, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, of all strange things, here's my childhood coming back to me. I'm thinking of the sweet spot of a tennis racket where in the middle of the racket, when you hit that ball, you can just feel that it's the right balance. 
or it's that sweet spot when you're driving a stick shift and we've talked about that before with you're pulling out the clutch and you're pressing down the gas and it's there's just something and you know maybe for the basketball player it's when it the ball swishes into the basket and it makes that perfect sound but it's that feeling of let's find what works for us let's see where we're really in our optimal health personally and collectively as a family and in that parent-child dynamic and and sometimes that takes some experimenting with you know let's try adding a little bit of extra time and see how that goes or let's try pulling back on the screen time because it's really been too much it's really a matter of finding what feels good for that family and what helps I don't think you can just say in general it's the same for everyone. I think in general, routines can be helpful, but if we stick to them too rigidly, it's not really fair in the midst of how much stress everything else is because that becomes one more thing of pressure that they can't handle. Yeah, living with my brother and um, his fiance, this has really been an, a time where we've kind we've had to determine the best routine because we're all working from home. And what we have found, we're slowly and we've allowed ourselves to kind of hit this sweet spot almost for us where, you know, we all come down in the morning, we all log into our computers, somebody makes coffee, um, we gather around the coffee pot or um, water cooler, you know, the kitchen for a brief check in kind of not officially, but just, you know, like, how's it going? And then, you know, we, we work for a couple of hours and then we've got lunch and somebody's in there making lunch. So we all take a break. Um, and then we go back to work, but we also allow ourselves a little bit of fluidity with this. Um, we've been taking, um, breaks to do like push ups or we have a chin up bar and you know, who can you do a full chin up today? That answer is no for me <laughs> every day. <laughs> um, but we're, you know, we're crafting in, stretching and maybe we need to take a quick 10 minute walk around the the block um or something but I have found that I definitely need the structure uh I need that rhythm um but I also need a little bit of customization each day you know it's just hitting us in so many different waves emotionally and and physically that I, I love the rigidity. And then at the end of the day, you know, I have to allow myself to make choices as to what am I going to do after work is done? Normally that would be go to the barn or go see my boyfriend. And because of social distancing and, you know, COVID, the boyfriend is, you know, I can't see him anymore in person, but you know, my barn's being shut down as well. You know, they're closing off to, um, non-horse owners and I'm lucky I'm a horse owner, but I also don't want to risk the health of the staff there. So I'm choosing, you know, not to go out as frequently as I normally would. It's not essential. She's being well taken care of. But that has disrupted my rhythm. And, you know, I yearn for rhythm. So I'm allowing myself the space for grace to say, okay, this isn't how I would normally spend my evening. But what can I do to feel better? Like, find what feels good, you know? Yeah. I also wanted to say, like, I think this could also emphasize that community that we were talking about earlier, like probably before 
it's like when you get a kink in your neck and you're like, wow, I really appreciate my neck muscles right now. <laughs> um, I feel similarly to something that's impacted us is like being able to go to the gym. Like our gym was one of the first things that shut down. And there, other than taking a walk or going on a bike ride to a park, like there are no um, outlets to do anything. And I think that also has made me appreciate my community and how much has gone, like how much is always going on um, and how I totally notice it now that nothing is going on. Well, let's get back to some feelings if we could for a few more minutes before we close out. Is that okay with everybody? Yeah. Yep. So in addition to, we talked about our fears, our anxieties, our antsiness. We've talked about feeling that extreme numbness because everything is too much and we can't really identify what we're feeling at all. There's a huge amount of grief that happens with all these sudden changes that anything that felt normal before is really being taken away and we're trying to figure out what a new normal is even though none of this is normal at all like what even is normal but for you know there's a lot of different communication stories about seniors you know what is this like for them for their senior year of high school or college what about the grief and loss of um weddings or funerals those look very different because they can't gather in groups um, there's loss of income there's loss of connection and being in the same place there's just a lot of loss and so the emotion that's probably pretty predominant for people is a grieving process and an adjustment that we're trying to make and then just different aspects of sadness and pain um, that we have when we see people who are suffering, that there are people who have, they have no home or they don't have food in different parts of the world and they don't have an option to isolate and their suffering is increased. And trying to hold space for all of that sadness and pain is enormous. It's just a lot to try to take in. Sorry, Julie, I was just going to emphasize, too, a, a place where you can't shelter in safety. Um, you know, domestic violence being an issue as well with now that we're all staying at home. Absolutely. There's a lot of higher tension in homes between marriages and parents to children and all of that antsiness, that anxiety can really explode into anger and rage and you know, outbursts of, I can't take this anymore. And so that ends up being taken out on other people. And so there's an increase of concern for safety in homes. Absolutely. Julie, do you want to um, talk a little bit more about that grief? Um, I know you, you expanded on it a little bit, but um, also like grief for the future. A grief of what could have been of plans and hopes that you had that there's the loss of that sense of what I had hoped or anticipated would have been that can no longer happen the way I thought yeah you know loss of vacations getting together with family um you know, whatever your future events were for the summer things you were looking forward to yeah that you were like I couldn't wait for this trip I know Sarah you had mentioned you had trips 
a trip planned that you're like, I'm not going anymore. And there's a huge loss in that. Can it be rescheduled or when? We don't know. I mean, it's just left with this more uncertainty again. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Just so much uncertainty and grieving everything that I should be doing right now or I had planned to be doing um, and not knowing when that is ever going to change. I think that's really hard for people when they're going through something, you know, this sense of time that is so precarious. It's like there's some moments that it feels like everything's happening so fast I can't take it in and it's overwhelming and I'm trying to process it. But then it's also time is happening too slow and how long are we going to be stuck here? And you can't quite find that balance of what feels like a healthy pace to be able to live in. It's both too fast and too much, and it's also too slow and too hard. Yeah, I really relate to that um, from my own experience, for sure. And a lot of times, too, when we're going through something so surreal, you know, we're not going to be fully processing it and digesting it while we're in it. Like, we will continue to process and have impact from this after it's, quote unquote, over. You know, it will still have its ripple effects. And even, you know, I've given thought to childhood trauma and how the children of this generation, you know, going through COVID-19, they will have this in their bodies and brains as part of their trauma history, whether it was acknowledged as such or not that this is encoding on them in certain ways that will have ripple effects. And, you know, I'm excited for our next episode because we're going to talk about some of these things that how are we going to get through on the long haul? You know, how will we sustain ourselves and where's the hope in the midst of all of the hardship? Where's the resiliency? Um, One of the things I had the opportunity this morning to be on a several hour Zoom meeting that was across the globe. It was a worldwide um, post-traumatic growth um, training that they did. And just thinking about this is not just trauma that we are in, that, you know, there will be some people that get PTSD from this, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. But really the numbers of that are not necessarily high. Um, What is really great hope and great potential is for a post-traumatic growth to come from this, that we will learn things and gain things through this that are very helpful and positive and life-giving. And that's something to help us um, hold on to the gratitude in it, hold on to the resiliency in it, and that we can find a path through, that we can do this together. We can do hard, even when we're exhausted and Um, overwhelmed by it, we can find a way together. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on our next episode. Yeah, a lot of times I was like, oh, here's what I would do. And then I'm like, I got to hold my tongue on that, I guess. (laughs) uh, It it just stopped me up. I'm excited for next episode because I think that um, I have a lot to share about what I'm doing because I feel like I'm in a pretty good, stable place. Um, I also would recommend checking out our like three-parter episode that I just re-released. Um, that's episodes one, two, and three. Going through it, like a lot of that um, advice in there is still still holds true even in quarantine. Um, as long as you 
change, um, hang out with friends with going on zoom. <laughs> um, sure. but, uh, I think that this will have also positive impacts. Like, um, I hope people being so close together, it will bond people together. Um, I don't know. It's like both, it's hard to, um, feel that hope and also it's like good to I don't know I feel like I'm clinging on to it just because a lot of the um day-to-day is very dreary and getting like updates on numbers and stuff I don't think is very good for my mental health you know I almost feel like part of mental health and maybe we can just close and sit with this thought is that what we're really seeing is the complexity of humanity and our existence. And this is the normal um, in the sense of our lifespan is birth and death and all the hard things in between and also all the amazing, wonderful things in between. And so we didn't quite think it would happen like this for sure. No one would have anticipated it. It seems like it's some kind of sci-fi movie and that's not even the genre I prefer to watch so it's like this feels so you know mind-boggling and and hard to contain and at the same time it's also um the simplicity of just life and death and relationships in between and being able to kind of hold space for all of the different thoughts, feelings, emotions, um, being able to, I guess, expand our capacity to hold something that's complex is really a a beautiful place of acceptance that can come from that. So all of the challenge that this is giving to us um, is an opportunity to be able to hold more complexity with it, that we can... um, Accept that this is part of life, is our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences, our relationships. Um, Life has a beginning and an end, um, birth and death, and this is all part of the life cycle and part of experiencing life together, and we're doing that. We certainly didn't expect it to be quite like this, Um, and at the same time, we are living life together and we're holding space and expanding our capacity to hold all of that complexity and that that's okay. It's like we're, we're able to grow with it and expand with it. We're not limited to what we're able to handle. We can stretch and grow and, and have capacity for more as we get through it. Which is one of the cool things about humans is we're very adaptable. We do adapt. We adapt, we change, we grow. And that's awesome, really. We're we're surprised sometimes with how strong we can be and how much resilience we can gain. So that will be fun to talk about that. Definitely. In our next so let's go ahead and wrap up this week. Um, thanks so much for joining us. If you have any questions about COVID nineteen, I know you do, uh, go ahead and email us at communityroots.pod at gmail dot com. Um, just reach out. We've had people reach out on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so feel free to just, um, message us 
and we're right here. So let's start a conversation. So um, you can email us, like I said, at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. Or you can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram at communityroots.pod. Um, we post some things there that are about resiliency, about um, all sorts of things having to do with mental health. So please go ahead and check that out. Um, we also have some projects like Patreon and stuff that we are still working on getting through the funnel um, as kind of COVID-19 threw a wrench in some things. We are adapting and uh, overcoming. So uh, yeah, just give us a couple weeks on that and we will keep everybody posted. Um, yeah, uh, I always like to end on gratitude. So um, some things, you know, that I'm grateful for is a great partner, you know, um, just living with Connie, it's just my housemates, you know, just uh, we work well together. So I'm feeling very good going into this COVID-19 um, isolation because I feel strong, like uh, camaraderie with uh, my partner. So that's what I'm grateful for. I'm really grateful for the unique opportunity that the last month has given us where I have seen talents of musicians that have been shared and trainings and experts all coming like out of the woodwork into our living rooms and offering so many different um, ways of teaching and training and to the point where I can't even begin to take advantage of it all but um being a part of a few of those things has been very life-changing for me and I think it'll be one of the things I hold on to as one of the gifts of COVID-19 um just being able to see people's talents and connections and um meaningful things to be encouraged by in this time has been truly a gift I'm thankful for well, I'm thankful for the sun. It's actually sunny out right now, which is wonderful. I know. Um, but actually, what I'm grateful for is really interesting. Um, my brother and I had an all-out screaming, yelling, tension-filled like match a couple uh, days, maybe a week ago. And because we're both involved in our own mental health journey... We were able to come back and de-escalate. I mean, it took some time, but we de-escalated. We came back and we had a conversation about it. And I know that lots of us are in uh, close quarters with family. Maybe not everybody's living with their brother um, who could be smarter because I'm so smart and, you know, I'm right all the time. Um, and he should just recognize that. But what I appreciate with is that neither one of us could settle until we had thoroughly discussed it. And so I'm just grateful to have housemates right now who are willing to uh, dialogue and get to the root of issues. And, and, you know, it might not have, uh, the outcome might not be what I wanted, but I'm having to live with them for however many months. And I'm grateful that we were able to, eventually like just talk it through so that's awesome 
Yes, nice. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see you next time on Community Room.